How are you all today? Everybody good? Well, my name is Dave Shive, and I am one of the pastors here at TBA, and it is really cool to be with you this morning. How many of you are excited that college football has finally started? Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, how many of you are Seminole fans? Oh, that's pretty weak. Are you really a Seminole fan? Let's try it again. How many of you are Seminole fans? Uh, how many of you are Gator fans? Uh, how many of you are Alabama fans? Yeah, well, the Tide got all they wanted. So did the Seminoles. It's funny. What is it about college football that gets us so excited? I mean, even if we have a team that's not going to be that great, there's something about college football where we all rally around our teams and we cheer for them uh, through the good and bad. What is it that gets us so excited about college football? Well, I think it's because deep within inside of us, we all desire a, pla- a place to belong to. We all desire to be with people that have common interests, a place where we're accepted. Think about all the things that we join. We join fraternities, we join sororities, we join mops groups, tennis clubs, golf clubs, fantasy football leagues, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Rotary, sports teams, and the list goes on and on. What do all of these things have in common? All of these things that we join, what do they all have in common? And it's community. Because it's more fun to play fantasy football with a group of your friends than to play fantasy football by yourself. So it's all community that we're seeking. Now some of us like to have community more than others do. My wife, who is a social butterfly, would have community every single minute of every day. And I do mean every single minute she would have a party. Some of... Others of us, like myself, who, who are introverts, don't really crave community that much. But no matter what side of the spectrum that you live on, we all still need some level of community in our lives. See, we're just not meant to go through life alone. And that was true from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, before sin even entered into the world, when everything was perfect, okay, everything's perfect, God still says this. He says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. See, God created each of us this desire for community. Now, it's played out in different ways, but fundamentally, all of us are created to be in a relationship with our Creator and with each other. And so we join these various groups to give us that community. And while it's great that we have all of these groups that we have affinity with and that we find community in, there's one community that you absolutely have to have. And that's a community that creates deep, authentic spiritual relationships. Deep, authentic spiritual relationships. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. As we continue in our series that we're calling Anatomy of a Small Group, And what we're doing is we're taking different parts of small group and and kind of breaking them down and and looking at what those parts of the small group look like. Because it's in those small groups that I believe those kind of relationships are built. And I believe that only those authentic spiritual relationships are those relationships that help you grow in your faith. 
that help you grow in the relationship that you have with Christ because I don't think you can do that by yourself. I don't think you can grow your faith in Jesus by yourself. Now some of you might be saying, hey, wait a minute. My faith is a personal thing. That's between me and God. I don't need anybody but God to grow in my faith. And I would say that you are partly right and mostly wrong. Because yes, faith is something that is between you and God. You do have a personal relationship with God. And you should be investing in that and you should be growing in that. But I also believe at the same time that God designed us to live that faith out in community. Because you see, there are just some things in life that you are not going to be able to get through on your own. See, life is going to throw obstacles in your path that you just cannot climb over without the help of others. See, it's kind of, I kind of think it like this. It's like being on a football team where you're the only player on that football team. So let's say that you're the quarterback on your single-person football team. How many yards are you going to get without an offensive line blocking for you and clearing a path for you? How many yards are you going to get? Maybe one? Maybe two if you're lucky? The most likely scenario is that you're going to lose yards every single down. I mean, how can you complete a, a touchdown pass if you don't have a receiver? You can't. You just can't. And I believe the same is true of our faith. We were meant to live our faith out in community, in support of one another. That's why we have so many one another commands that are in the Bible. There are over 50 one another commands that are in the New Testament. And it's commands like this. Be peace with each other. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Instruct one another. Serve one another. Forgive each other. Submit to one another. These are the things that you have to do in order to have those deep, authentic spiritual relationships. And these are things that you just cannot do in a large crowd like this on a Sunday. Because here's what I think happens. Here's what happens on Sunday. We all walk around with our best face on on Sunday morning. And that's okay. It is okay because I believe there are appropriate times and places to develop those deep relationships. But the problem is, the problem is, is when we think what we do here on Sunday morning, when we think this can take the place of those deep relationships, then I think that's where we run into trouble. Because you can worship with a crowd. You can. You can worship with a crowd, but you can't have a deep relationship with a crowd. See, authentic spiritual relationships are so much more than just attending Sunday services. It's about experiencing life together. It's relationships that are built on unselfish love, honest sharing, practical serving, sacrificial giving, sympathetic comfort. It's relationships that aren't just superficial surface talk. It's that genuine heart-to-heart, -heart, sometimes even gut-level sharing that happens when people drop the mask and when they get honest about what's really happening in their lives. See, when you get past the surface, when you get past the surface and you share real hurts, real feelings, real doubts and fears, when we, when we confess our failures to each other, and we acknowledge our weakness, and we ask somebody else for help and prayer, 
See, I believe it's those kind of relationships that build those deep spiritual relationships. And I believe you can only have those kind of relationships in a small group. Why only a small group? Because I believe when you get past a group of 12 or so people, somebody stops participating. And it's usually the quietest person in the group. They stop sharing. I also believe that it's in a larger group, it's harder for us to be open and honest with each other. Because see, we lose that intimacy that can only be found in a small group. You lose that safety that only comes in a small group. And you lose that personal one-on-one attention that can only come in a small group. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture today, and it's in Galatians. If you have a Bible or an app, uh, go ahead and open that up. We're going to look at Galatians 6, and it's going to start in, in, in chapter 1, I mean in verse 1. And this is one of the one another commands that Paul commands for us. And it says this in Galatians 6, 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help somebody, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. So how do you do this? How do you do what Paul just commanded? How do you do that on a Sunday morning? How do you gently and humbly help a person back to the right path? You can't do that on a Sunday because it takes time. See, it takes time to get to, want to know one another so that trust is built. It takes time to earn the right to speak into somebody else's life. It takes time to wade through all the mess that life can be at times. It takes time for us to have a clear perspective. It takes time for us to pray through it all. It takes time just to walk through it all. And that just can't happen. It can't happen on the short amount of time that we have here on Sunday. See, how can I share your burden if I don't even have the time to know what your burden is? It's impossible. And again, if we're substituting Sunday morning for this, if we're substituting Sunday morning for this kind of community, this kind of accountability, this kind of one-on-one care, then we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves about how well our faith is growing. And we're denying ourselves the care that God has prescribed for us through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I know that I walk around every Sunday the same as you do, and I ask the same surface questions that you ask. How's it going today? How you doing? How you feeling? And I get the same answers from you that I give to you. And it's good. Everything's good. Everything's great. Everything's fine. So we've got a room full of people, and everybody's good, great, and fine, right? I know that not to be true. I know that to to not be true. And I know you know it's not true. Because sometimes things are good, but man, a lot of times things aren't. A lot of times in life things aren't great. And some of us are carrying some very heavy burdens right now. Some of you are carrying things that are crushing the life out of you right now. 
And see, I'm no exception to that rule just because I'm a pastor. Because I carry some deep, heavy burdens. But yet I come on Sunday morning just like the rest of you, and I put on my face, and I walk around like everything's great. And it isn't that I'm not willing to share my burdens with you. It's not that. It's just I'm not going to share it in this setting because it just isn't the right time and the right place to do it. But yet that's what we're commanded to do by Paul. We're commanded to share each other's burdens. Not only that, but when we do share each other's burdens, Paul says in this way we are obeying the law of Christ. So how do you do that on a Sunday? You can't. See, I believe the only way for that to happen, the only way for us to be obedient to what Paul commands us to do is that we have to be in a small group of believers. We have to be with a small group of believers who are investing in true, authentic, spiritual relationships with each other. See, this is one of the reasons that we desperately plead with you to be in a small group. Because there are things in your life that you just cannot get by on your own. See, you're going to need somebody to walk through life with you. And yes, God is walking with us. He does. God walks with us. But He has chosen. God has chosen the person on your left and on your right. God has chosen the people in this room. God has chosen our brothers and sisters in Christ. He has chosen them to be the vessel that He wants to work through, that He wants to walk through life with you. See, the word burden in that passage of Scripture comes from the Greek word baros. And it means to bear or to carry a very heavy load, a load that's almost impossible to lift and carry. And it's the same word that is used in John 19 when it talks about Jesus carrying His cross, the burden of His cross that He carries on the way to His death. And see, the idea behind that word in the text is that we all carry some sort of weight. All of us carry a burden. But there are times in life when that weight is just too heavy for us to carry. And it begins to push down on us. And it begins to crush us. And it's in those moments when we need others to help us carry that weight. See, we all carry a weight. We all have a burden of some sort. It might be the burden of sin in your life, that you've got this sin you just can't get past. It might be the pain of a broken relationship where forgiveness and restoration seems so far away and impossible. It might be the heavy weight of grief because you've lost somebody that you love. It might just be the stress of life, just getting through life and all the pressures of life. Trying to raise your kids especially as a single parent. I don't know what your burden is, but I know we all carry one. And at times those burdens we carry, they become overwhelming and impossible for us to carry. Now our pride says, I can carry it. That's what our pride says. Our pride goes, nope, I can do it. I can carry this. I don't need anybody to help me. I don't need anybody to get in my business. I can do it on my own. That's what our pride says. And yes, you're right. You can carry it for a little bit. 
for maybe a couple of steps. But eventually, that burden becomes so heavy that you cannot move anymore. And you can't get to the place where you need to be without the help of others. I want to read another story to you real quick because I think it really illustrates the point I'm trying to make and it's in Luke chapter 5 and it starts in verse 17. It says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. And it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. And some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. And they tried to take him inside to Jesus. But they couldn't reach him. They couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and they took off some of the tiles and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think that he is? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier for, your sin, for me to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everybody watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. And everybody was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. So here's the picture. You've got te Jesus teaching at somebody's home, and he's surrounded by this huge, huge crowd. The account in Mark says that the crowd was so big, there was no room around the house at all. And there are two sets of people here. There are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are following Jesus everywhere he goes because they're trying to trip him up because Jesus has become a threat to their way of life. That's one group of people that you have. And then the second group you have is the rest of the crowd. And these are people who are there mostly out of curiosity because the news of Jesus' miracles have spread throughout Galilee and they're there to check it out and see what it's all about. And then you've got this paralytic man who desperately wants to get to Jesus. Not just so he can be healed physically, but because he knows he's spiritually sick and only Jesus can heal him of that. And I believe that to be the case because in verse 20 it said, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus saw their faith and knew what the man needed. He knew that he needed to be forgiven of his sins. And so he forgave him before he healed him. So I believe the man was coming to Jesus because he knew only Jesus could forgive sins. But he couldn't get to him because of the crowd. See, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they didn't want him to get to Jesus. Because Jesus was a threat to their way of living. See, they wanted to keep as many people away from Jesus as possible. Now the rest of the crowd, the rest of the crowd unintentionally are blocking a path to Jesus. Mainly because they really don't know who Jesus is. They don't understand who he is or what he's about. And they don't understand the necessity of this man getting to Jesus. So this guy, he's stuck. 
He's stuck on the outside, paralyzed, unable to get himself where he desperately needs to be. And that's at the feet of Jesus. See, if he wasn't paralyzed, he might have been able to force his way through the crowd, force his way past the Pharisees, force his way to the front to get to Jesus. But because he is paralyzed, there's just no way for him to get there through his own efforts and in his own strength. He has to have his friends carry him. And see, I think our lives are that way sometimes too. Because I know that there is an enemy out there who does not want you to get to Jesus. He's doing everything possible to put every roadblock in place to keep you and me away from Jesus. Because it's a threat to his plans. And see, just like the Pharisees, Satan in this world will block the path to Jesus. See, they want you to remain outside, feeling alone, isolated, and paralyzed. See, they want you to accept the the lie that there is nobody who cares. That you're the only one that bears this burden. That there's nobody who can help you. See, Satan wants to crush you under the weight of guilt, pride, and hopelessness. Then there are others in our lives like the crowd. And they unintentionally block us from finding Jesus. See, there are those in our lives, those friends in our lives, that don't have the Holy Spirit living in them. And when we seek them out for help, they direct us down the wrong path because they're walking down the same path that they don't know is wrong. And what I mean by that is those friends who point us away from God's truths, who steer us to the world's truths, truths like it's okay to live together before you get married because that way you can figure out whether you're compatible or not. Truths like, well, if you had a bad day, a bad week, let's go out and and I'm going to take you out and we're going to party and we're going to get tanked and forget all about it. Or truths that say, you know what? Your marriage just isn't worth saving. It's too hard. Go ahead and get divorced. Have an affair. Spice up your life. See, they point us to this self-philosophy meaning you can take care of yourself through self-help books, through self-spirituality, self-healing, discovering your inner spirit, channeling your inner power. See, the world is full of paths like this. From psychics to Oprah, the world is full of them. And they're dangerous paths. And they will all lead to destruction. See, the truth is we need people in our lives like this man had, who, like Paul said, will humbly and gently guide us to the correct correct path. People who will share with us in carrying our burdens. People who will set us at the feet of Jesus. Because it's only at the feet of Jesus where you're going to find wholeness. It's only at the feet of Jesus where you're going to find peace. It's only there that you're going to find forgiveness. It's only there that you're going to find contentment. It's only there that you're going to find joy. It's only there that you're going to find life. It is only there that the weight of your burden will be lifted. Only, only at the feet of Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me. Come to me. 
all who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who is humbly and gently guiding you to the right path? Who is holding you accountable to growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Who is making sure that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus? Who is walking through life with you, sharing the pain as well as the joy? Who is helping you carry that burden that you carry? Because you can't do it by yourself. You weren't meant to do it by yourself. You were created for authentic spiritual relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I'm pleading with you, and I I wish I knew a better way to make you just understand how deep I want you to understand this. I'm pleading with you to get involved in a small group and plug in because it is necessary for your life. Get involved. Get beyond the surface. Build those relationships that are going to help you grow. Don't don't remain on the outside paralyzed and unable to move. Don't do that. I'm going to ask the band to come up and I want to leave you with this. I'm not promising you that it's going to be easy to find a group that fits. And I'm not saying you're going to find that perfect fit right off the bat. See, that's why we've got it set up the way that we do, so that you can go around and see the different groups and try to find out where you might fit best. But let's say that you do find one. Let's say you sign up and you start attending a group. But what happens if you start attending and it still isn't a fit for you? That's okay. Find a different group. There's no hard feelings. There really isn't. We want you to find the group that is right for you. And there is a group here that is right for you. And I'm not telling you that it won't hurt in the process either. Because that's a possibility. Because I know that we're all human. And that we unintentionally wound our brothers and sisters in Christ. We do that from time to time. But that's why we have this amazing example of forgiveness from Jesus. Because he forgave us so much, we have the responsibility to forgive our brothers and sisters who do us wrong. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying you're going to find the right group off the bat. I'm not saying you might not even get wounded in the the process. But I will promise you this. If you don't give up, and please don't give up, If you don't give up, because it's going to take commitment on your part, if you don't give up and you keep trying, and if you will allow honesty and openness in your life, because it will take vulnerability on your part, if you do these things, I promise you, I promise you, you are going to grow in your relationship with Jesus like you've never grown before. And you're going to see that you don't have to do life alone that there are people who care, that there are people that have the same burdens that you have.
There are people going through the same things in life that you're going through. And they're there willing to help you carry the load. I promise you'll find that in a small group. And I believe, just like the crowd saw after Jesus healed the paralyzed man, you will see amazing things happen as God begins to work through you and your small group. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have created us to be in community with each other. God, that you have chosen us to work through as we serve each other and pray for each other and love each other and help share each other's burdens. Father, my prayer today is that every person in this room would find that group, would find the group that is right for them, would find the group that will help them grow in their relationship, will find the group that will walk through life with them. Because God, I know personally that I could not have walked through life by myself. I needed people in my life to help me when I couldn't walk anymore. And so God, I pray that we would step outside of whatever fear we have. God, whatever excuse we make for not being plugged in and being involved, God, that we would step outside of that and take a risk and join a group to experience your love and your grace in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.